I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design with a special series of episodes focused on the COVID-19 pandemic from a different perspective. You already know about washing your hands and staying at home and providing six feet of space between you and the next person. You get all that. But staying at home has created a whole new set of unforeseen issues. Our homes were not created to serve as home, office, school, restaurant, daycare, all at once. This series of episodes is designed to address the fact that most, if not all of us, are home weathering out this pandemic with family, and our homes were not designed for this. And to to make living this a, a little bit easier for you. So I spoke with architect Tom Kligerman of Ike Kligerman Barkley. Kligerman has, has lived in locations around the world and drawn from these experiences to make a space comfortable and functional regardless of size. His own space, by the way, in, in New York City. We talked about a number of ways for one to reorganize, rearrange, and think differently about using spaces and using them differently. This is Tom Kligerman. Just mentioning that because you have such a vast geographical history and you've experienced um, living from New York, Connecticut, New Mexico, Europe, different ways of living, different ways of basically using architecture in different because the cities were built at different moments in time when architecture was was functioning differently. It was it was meant for different uses for the most part. And so I think that that's interesting and I sort of wanted to lead into how that has uh, affected the the manner in which you design. Well, you know, it's interesting. I when I started off designing I wasn't really that conscious of it. You know, I know I had lived in Paris and lived in London and different places like that, lived in Connecticut, New Mexico, New York City. But I was, when I first started designing, I was just designing, I was just sort of problem solving. You know, a lot of time that you spend as, as a young architect is just figuring out how to, you know, put a staircase into a house or that kind of basic thing. So it isn't until you begin to have a lot of experience that you can begin to sort of focus on things you're really interested in. You find that, you know, a stair is interesting to put into a house, but there's more interesting issues to kind of tackle. And, you know, as I get older and I start reflecting on design, I've really sort of consciously tried to bring into what I do the, the various places that I've lived. Um, the thing I'm really interested in now is really drawing on the architecture of New England um, you know, I, I spent my childhood in New Haven, Connecticut, and we spent our summers on the shore in Rhode Island. You know, that kind of shingle style and colonial architecture, you know, what happens if you blend that with a lot of things I saw when we moved to New Mexico, we're suddenly living in a house that's made out of adobe. And instead of a wall being six inches thick of wood, you're living in a house that has walls that are two and a half feet thick made out of mud. You know, how do you sort of create a language using that sort of those different, you know, vastly different kinds of construction methods and vastly different styles. So I've just now begun to sort of draw on the things that you mentioned, draw on these different places I lived um, in my um, sort of the, I hope it is the prime of my practice, but in, <laughs> in the practice now that's, you know, where I'm actually consciously trying to do things instead of just sort of problem solving. Well, and I, I love that. I, I would agree with you. And I, I think anyone who's seen your portfolio of work would, would, would say that you're, you're definitely in the, in the prime of your career. Um, 
at the same time, I think that this is an interesting time to have that conversation about problem solving. We sort of led into this, and it, it's it's almost too pedestrian a conversation for us to be having about this, but I think it's important because what I've noticed is over the last week and a half since since this whole COVID-19 thing started, and you know, not everyone in the in the country is sheltering in place. Here in Los Angeles, we certainly are, and in New York, I think you are as well. And um, because of that, people are spending far more time in their home with their loved ones. This is this is truly, I, you know, you're a, it's a it's a multi generational living situation. You know, my, myself, I've got myself, my wife, two kids, uh, two high school kids. So teenagers who are you know schooling from home, they're still trying to have some semblance of a virtual social life. We're trying to work from here. It's a relatively small house. It's a it's a beach bungalow. And you we have to make it all work. And I think that it's times like these that it gets exposed what the the, the flaws and weaknesses get exposed because it wasn't designed to to live this way. So I think problem solving is kind of incredibly important right now. Sure. Yeah, I don't mean to belittle problem solving. Once we do every, you know, pretty much everything at design is, is you know figuring out a solution to something, whether it's stylistic or functional. You know, we're, I'm facing the same problem right now. I have kind of a, a little bit of a double whammy. I'm in a two bedroom apartment right now. Uh, excuse me, a two room apartment, kind of an open living dining kitchen area. Then we have a bedroom, and um, my wife and I are. She doesn't work, but she has projects she does, and I'm trying to run my office out of here. And there's constant overlap. You know, I'm um, I I'm making too much noise in here. She's making too much noise in there. We don't really have desks for both of us. She has a desk, but my desk is at work. So suddenly we have a temporary desk sitting in in the apartment. But it's a double whammy because this isn't even our permanent apartment. We are renovating an apartment right now. And so this is a rental we're living in temporarily. And this whole thing has made me think about what we designed for our new apartment. And I'm sort of questioning now that the thing is sort of 90% complete. <laughs> did we do the, did we make the right decisions? Because I, we might've designed things a little differently if, if, if COVID-19 had happened, you know, two and a half years ago. Um, you know, one of the big issues people have to deal with is, is literally sound. I mean, um, how do you how do you work from home and not drive other people around you crazy and vice versa? How do you you know? It, it's, it, there's all kinds of practical things like that. You know, I have I have computer cables running all over the place in the living room. I have you know, so there's all that kind of stuff going on. Um, that is a surprise to me. I never thought I'd be sitting here. It's interesting. Has that changed the the manner in which you feel like you will approach small spaces in the future? I think so. You know, I it makes you it really does make you think about what people have to deal with when they're just you know, it makes you think about the sort of small scale issues. Where does an outlet go? I mean, I know it sounds really basic. Where does an outlet go? How many outlets do you need? How many cords are you going to have? How many computer screens? Where does the printer go? I mean, these are things I, we typically design for, but you know, it's one thing to design it in a 10,000 square foot house. It's another thing to design it in a 1,500 square foot apartment. So it has made me think that these apartments, in a way, are a little bit more like a boat 
in, in how they have, they have to be efficient. Um, you know, in a, in a sailing boat, you don't have a lot of room to sort of, you know, a lot of space to play with. So um, I am thinking about that in terms of privacy. You know, I think that people, I think that, I think one of the things that's going to come out of this whole crisis is that people are going to work more from home. And in a way, there's kind of a nice thing about this. I was just saying to a friend of mine, you know, this is awful, but there's something nice about being forced to spend this much time at home. I think, I think businesses may begin to realize that people can work from home and that maybe they need, need less office space in their office building because people might it might be a good thing for people to rotate in other houses and stuff like that uh, sometime in the office, sometime in their, in their apartment or their house. So that brings up, you know, how do you do that? I can imagine almost a little study carols or something where you can close off and, and, and be able to work and make noise and talk like we're talking right now without disturbing everybody else and also be able to close the door. So I can imagine having something, having maybe, smaller rooms with more of them so you have the ability to have privacy uh even within your own home how can silly question perhaps but how can we do this now in the short term as you plan for something long term and i as you as i hear you say this i'm thinking you know it's not necessarily about putting up walls um because that's not realistic for the short term for the long term absolutely and i i think that right that's something that's going to be that's going to be big in the short term, um, and the idea of of designing on a on a boat or a ship is really a unique idea that hasn't come up yet, and I I think there's something to that, for sure. Well, you know, one of the things I'm thinking is, as just as I'm speaking to you, and I hear my voice sort of echoing. You're right. You can't just put up walls, especially if you're in a rental. You can't put up walls, but. I wish I had more rugs in here. One of the things you can do, you may not, you may not be able to stop the sound, but you can certainly deaden the sound. And if this apartment had some more rugs, maybe curtains, something you can do, you know, you can go buy curtains or hang curtains, something like that, where at least you can muffle the sort of echo of things going on. That would give you, I think it may, it would, it would be better acoustics. It would make you feel more comfortable because the sound would be deadened. I mean that's a small thing. There's some there is some money in buying those things, but you could sort of make the make the place acoustically less live. I think would be one thing I would love to do here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny too because as I as I look at your website and um, and I look at your portfolio of work, I'm looking at some. I'm sure not everything you do is this large, um, you know, because I do see some guest houses and I do like the Overlook House. Um, I'm sure that that's not it's not as massive as some of the other projects, but is it a bigger challenge for you when you look at, at sort of working in a smaller footprint or is it a bigger challenge to work with a larger footprint? Um, I think, I think they both have their you know, different kinds of challenges. Um, it's funny you're always running out of space in a house. I know it sounds ridiculous if you're doing a 10 or 12,000 square foot house, but it's amazing how you suddenly are fighting for inches or feet somewhere in that house. Um, same thing in a small house. Um, you know, a small house is simpler because there's just simply less of it, but um, there are other kind of challenges. We just finished a um, house that's on our website, a guest house, and you know, how do you cram in things like air conditioning and lighting systems and all that 
all the stuff that goes in a house now, you know, transponders, whatever they're called for the internet and humidifiers, all that kind of stuff. Um, those are kind of workaday things, but they become a challenge when you're limited in square footage. I, you know, I love small projects because they, they start and finish in a, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, a big project could be four or five years, depending on the scale of it. So, um, you don't have the challenge of time and of, um, maintaining everybody's interest in the project and keeping the sort of energy going that a long project can have. I'm sure. Um, And I'm curious though, when you start a project with a client, do you have a process that you go through to help define what, what the functional space is, what that space is going to be used for, how it's going to be used? Um, Do you have, do you have ways of, or a process for sussing that out? Um. Yeah, the best way to do that, because everybody is different, is to spend as much time talking to your client as you can. One of the things I think we do well um, is listen, and you have to listen to what they tell you, but you also have to listen to what they're not telling you. And so the more time you spend up ahead of time, um, the the better you can sort of glean a lot of the things that, that they need for what they want to do. One of the things we like to do is we like to actually walk through their current house with them. And spend time, you know, looking at the rooms, looking at the sizes of the room, looking at the number of rooms, the relationships of rooms. So we do that a lot. We ask people to bring in photographs of things they like. Um, we, you know, we ask them what they do for a living. We usually know. But we sort of have to, you have to sort of, you know, tease the, some stuff is very obvious, but a lot of you have to kind of tease out of what's going on. And then you simply begin to show them things you do a floor plan and you talk about the relationships of rooms or the size of rooms or how the where the windows located or um you know how where the sun will be in certain times of year so and that begins a conversation you can't get everything out of, out of a client the first few times you meet with them it really becomes a long-term sort of dialogue that you go through as you're designing the, the project uh, you start with the big stuff and it gets to you know finer and finer and finer scale of, of issues like you know I mentioned it before outlets how many and where do you do you leave your phone plugged in your bedside table or do you leave it in your dressing room do you leave it in the kitchen do you leave it in the mudroom you get down to very granular stuff when you're working on these um, these projects you do and do you do you have a do you have a process for for mapping I'm not talking about you know the the architectural drawings I'm just talking about when you when you look at a space, can you automatically map it in your head? Map it in terms of you know walk into a space and be able to draw it on a, on a piece well, of paper. Just like a just like a mental bubble chart. Yeah, I can I can do that. You know, I can do that walking into an existing building, and I can actually, as I'm talking, if I were talking to you about a new house or showing you a drawing or whatever, I, I, I am actually, wa- in my mind, I'm actually walking through that building. And, you know, things you're telling me that you like, I can, I can sort of see in my mind, you know, I like a sunny space. I don't like a lot of sun. For example, you know, we're, in, we're building a house in Hawaii. It's too hot out. We want it to be cool and dark inside. You know, I see these things. And as we're discussing them, and people, you know, people – will change their minds as you're describing a space. And I can imagine as and I, and I see it in my mind when they begin to talk about changing things or, you know, I like dark wood, not light wood. It's kind of like there's a rendering going on in my head where I'm seeing these things changing in real time. So I'm kind of lucky that I have that, that kind of visual 
ability. You know, it's weird. We, we lived in so many houses. Um, my mother liked to decorate and she liked to move. So we, I think I lived in something like 11 houses by the time I went to college. <laughs> and one of the houses was a, was a, was a colonial house built in 1665 in, is in Guilford, Connecticut. And we left there about two weeks after my third birthday. I can draw you a plan of that house. So when you ask about mapping, I mean, it's kind of weird. I was three when, and actually I, I remember the house before that, even certain things about it when we were, when I was two, it's kind of crazy. But so in terms of mapping things and visualizing, I do have sort of an, a, an ability to do that. And I can take people's words and make them into something visual. If that's what you mean by mapping. Yeah. And where I'm going with this is I, you know, it's funny. So I started, I started doing this series, um, this past weekend, just because you know when we all when we when we all start feeling a little helpless, we try to figure out ways to to keep ourselves busy in a productive manner. At least that's what I do. And it seemed like if I was feeling this way, I'm sure that there are other people who are feeling this way about their their spaces as well. And it's been just doing this has been absolutely amazing to learn in the process, just the way that, that people will think. And, and that was one of the things in looking at your projects and just having a, a you know, a, a brief conversation before we hit the little red button. I, I realized that you sort of, the way that you look at space is completely different than the way I look at space. And I would like to be able to understand sort of why, and I think I do now, why you see what you see and sort of how to, how to apply that. When this is done, I've got so many design projects that I want to work on now. It's amazing. So when you, so I'm just curious, when you talk about looking at a space, I'm just imagining from what, you, what we've been talking about, that you probably see functional things like I need, I need a desk this big and I need this kind of thing on it and I need drawers behind me for recording equipment and stuff like that. Is that, I'm just curious how you're thinking about it. Sort of, I'm, sort of, uh, and sometimes I'm I'm a I'm a victim of my own creativity. You know, when I I'm working from a um, a converted garage, and when we had the garage converted, I I specifically had designed in a broadcasting niche, um, which is about five feet wide. So it's the entire length of the back of the garage when it was when it was closed in. Two closets, one on either side, with a five foot wide niche in there that I have a desk built across. So, mm -hmm. so I basically got all of my equipment on the other side of me. And then I, uh, had, um, noise baffling, uh, foam panels that are fixed with, um, magnets so that I can take them out and change them when I get tired of the fabric and then mm -hmm. a, a couple of shelves, but I basically have all of my computer and broadcast equipment against the wall, which kept things out of the way. What I didn't factor in, is that if I had done it the other way and put a desk in front of me and painted the back wall green, I could have done my uh, virtual conferencing against that back wall. It'd be better lit, and it would keep me from having this green screen in the uh, in the walkway. Right. Well, it's funny you bring that up because one of the things we I always tell people is, whenever you can combine functions. You know, it's, it's like the adage, don't build the school for, don't build the store for Christmas. What you're talking about is, is making a space function in more than one way. And that is really important, particularly now when many people are thinking about building smaller 
because it's it's a greener way to build and costs less and it's you know more energy efficient. But on a functional from a functional point of view, a, a big piece of advice for me is build less than you think you need. You know, don't be stingy and don't make a mistake. But do you really need a media room, for example, when you can have incredible movies on a giant TV with surround sound in your family room? So I think what you're talking about is is a very is a key thing to to anybody designing designing anything at any scale. Don't overdo it. Oh yeah, no question. And it's interesting too because the way technology is, you know, for for someone who wants a hundred inch flat screen in a in a home theater, that's not going to change. That person is still going to want that presentation. For for me, I've never had. A, a desire for that, and you know the way the way tech has shrunk so rapidly, you can basically watch anything on all your devices. It's too small for me to watch on a on a phone, but certainly a laptop or a or a desktop. And I think many people are starting to go that direction, which means you know you can take that whole wall, which used to have the the TV on it, and maybe not have that anymore. Or you can take or you can take that TV and turn it into your desktop. Maybe that's right. the way it goes. Right. Well, TVs are very, TVs is worth the whole episode in itself. TVs is so TVs true. are a, oh my god, a huge struggle. Personally, um, you know, I would love to have a big TV. I don't. I actually watch Netflix on my phone. Uh, I'm perfectly happy with the, the, that scale. Okay. Um, but we, you know, my wife is different. She likes to watch on the on a sort of a 50 inch TV. Client, we have clients who have a TV. They won't use a room unless it has a TV. So. Um, yeah, that's a whole giant conversation. It, it so is, and listen. Um, but but it's sort of related. To, it is related to the sort of virus thing that we're all dealing with right now. In that, um, you know, it's interesting. I say that you know, I typically travel with my phone. I got one of the. I got the biggest iPhone, so I could see it because I look at drawings all the time, stuff like that. And my wife's always like, "Don't you want to bring home your computer so you can see?" I'm like, "No, no, no." That has changed though in the last week. Because all of a sudden I'm working for home and we've been using things like GoToMeeting and Zoom. I don't know if you've worked with that yet. Oh, yeah. And suddenly, in order, I just, I've had two meetings today with uh, one with 13 people, one with 11 people. Would have been really hard to do on my cell phone. So I suddenly, I'm sort of falling in love again with my laptop because it has really enabled people to, for us to have productive, fun meetings where you actually see the person and you see all the people and you talk and you see them reacting. Um, that is, that's a change. That's a change. That's that's one of the things that's going to make working from home possible. All these programs, totally, all these apps. Yeah, totally agree. And, and by the way, another you know you know what we need to do is we need to schedule some time to have like a, a full conversation because I think between the things that we just touched on here and the fact that you know sort of what you're talking about working from home in a functional manner and actually making it work will also you know potentially alleviate a housing shortage um, because then office space can be converted back into mixed use, which in most cases it's in a place where it should work anyway. So I think that there's definitely room for a, a broader conversation on that topic, but I think it's really interesting. I, I have long said that I consider designers and architects to be futurists. 
you know, different scale, you know, designers are, are necessar- aren't necessarily designing for as long a time frame, at least I would hope not as architects. But, you know, architects, you're not, you're not designing a, a space for 10 years or 20 or 30, possibly 50. You know, you're designing something to have a significantly longer lifespan. And to do that... I hope so. Well, yeah. And to do that, you, you have to be able to see into the future to see how that space is going to be used, right? You know, I've never thought of it that way. I, I, I've never thought of it as specifically as that. I do, we do certainly talk to people about how um, these are projects, you know, these are houses, apartments for children and grandchildren. We do sort of think about it at least three generations down. I Thinking about it 100 years from now, I've, I've only just begun thinking about, I've sort of, I've sort of started talking to the office about sort of the, the hundred year office where we're, we are thinking about things a hundred, a hundred years out, not just sort of 25 years out. So you're touching on something that we've just begun talking about in our office. Really? You know, and, and, and one of the big things with that is just technology. You can, you can predict where the sun is going to come up and go down. You, you can predict that fossil fuel is going to get, rarer and more expensive and people are going to hopefully stop using it quite as much, but it's hard to predict what, what tech, not where technology is going to go. Um, you can, you can, there's things you can design for. You can design what you think is a, a house that will have sort of a lasting appeal that can be modern, but classical, you know, but all these things we're talking about with phones and computers and zoom, um, who knows? It's so true. You know, you, you, what you do know is it's going to be different. Uh, that you I mean, can, I mean literally, I, I, two months ago, I had no concept of something like Zoom. I, I, two weeks ago, I didn't know about it. Is that right? And, uh, well, I know everybody, most people probably use these things, but, you know, architecture is a very sort of social, interactive pursuit where you, you're in a room with people and you're drawing on the same piece of trace or you're, you're meeting with clients or you're, it's very, to me, until recently, it's, it's, it's best, I think it still is best hands-on. So. We didn't really have we didn't really have use for this. You know, we would have video conferences with certain clients and stuff like that. But to use it as a day to day tool, we 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 had never thought about before. Interesting. It, you know, we we were thinking we were we we're on the verge of moving our office, and we've been looking at an office space, and we've been worried because it's smaller than our current office space. We've been really worried about it. But with this, with what's happened now and the fact that people, that not everybody has to have as big a desk or not everybody has to necessarily has to have their own desk, suddenly thinking, well, maybe this new space, which we thought was going to be too small, maybe it's actually going to be too big. If it turns out that with all these things we're using, like Zoom and GoToMeeting and all this, all those other kinds of conferencing, you know, maybe we need something significantly, significantly smaller. Maybe if we have 50 people in the firm, we only need 30 desks. Um, so that's a whole shift in how we're thinking about sort of, you know, work. That's interesting. I'm curious. Um, how many people do you have working at the company now? Uh, about 47. Would, and I assume they're all in, in office. They are all, we have, yes, they're all in the office. We have space for everybody. We have, and we have extra desks. We, desks, we sort of thought we were expanding with what's going on. Who knows? But we, everybody has their own desk. Could you be as productive as, as you are at work at, at a home office that was properly 
designed? I think you can do it in spurts. I think sooner or later you have to sit down in the same room. Um, you know, here's, here's something you can't do. There's a, a lot of things, a lot of things you can do. I can look at drawings on a computer. I can print them out and mark them up and I can send back the markups. Uh, we can talk about, you know, the elevation of a house or site plans in a lot of ways through all these conferencing, you know, um, mediums. Um, what you can't do is and you can look at the photograph of materials. You can't put your hands on the material. You can't pick up a model of a, of a house or a building and look at it and rotate it. You can, you can do that on, on the, on your computer screen. You can look at a house as sort of a virtual model, which we do. It is not the same as a, as a, as a something, a 3d model you can put on a table, hold your hand. So I think you, I don't know what the percentage is, you know, maybe you could spend two thirds of the time at home and one third of the time together or the other way around. There's, there's probably some balance and that, that percentage probably would affect how many desks you need compared to how many employees you have. But sooner or later, um, you need to sit down and actually see things and touch things, particularly interior in interiors. We do some interior design. We have a staff of interior designers that that's even tougher. That is so something that is so reliant on texture and feel and, you know, smell, you know, is it, is it polished with beeswax or is it some other kind of finish? That is a very, that is even more hands-on. I think if you're an interior designer, maybe 10% of your time could be at home, but most of your time you have to be, you know, picking up fabrics and looking at them and sorting and stuff like that. I think it depends what you're doing um, when it comes to the design, whether it's architecture or interiors. Yeah. And if you want to do a sit test, I mean, you, you can't do that online. Correct. For sure. Well, but, even that one, certainly that one you can't even do in the office. That one you have to go to the upholsterer or you have to go to the showroom or something like that. But, you know, certain things like that, you know, that'll never, well, unless you have delivery service to bring five sofas to check out. No, but what's happening here, and I don't know if you're seeing the same trend there, and I think this sort of speaks to what we've been talking about, is there is a major trend in Southern California where showrooms are providing uh, workspace for designers. Oh. It's amazing. I, I have not heard of that. You have not. So it's, it's really, no, I know of certain firms that I, you know, I've heard of certain firms that have, that have, um, a showroom and sell things, but they also do design, but I've never, it's sort of interesting. The idea of, of having a workspace in, in a, in a showroom that you could go to yeah. as, as an outsider, someone who doesn't work for that company. Yeah, no, it's amazing. Um, and they're providing it specifically for the design trade where it'll be conference rooms where you can go sit in there, you can bring your clients with you and and actually work through work through samples, check out, you know, certain lines, certain furniture. You can you can check things out in, in a closed environment so you're not you're not speaking, you know, in front of everyone else who's in the showroom. Um you know, all this is really interesting because it's a little bit like Uber, like the, the world and, and we work and all these things, you know, suddenly things, and this may affect, you know, back to your point about functionality in a house, just the way people are begin, might begin to think about, you know, the flexibility of, of, you know, sometimes maybe you're working in, in, in a showroom office space. Sometimes you're in your own office. Sometimes you're at home. Sometimes, you know, you're working on your phone. Other times you're, I mean, there's a, in talking to you, there's sort of a fluidity to kind of, you know, workspace slash time slash how you're interconnected. 
that is all suddenly very fluid and things are kind of unpredictable. You know, you think we work is taking over building on Fifth Avenue, and it turns out that they can't afford it. So now Amazon has it. I mean, everything is so is moving around. And I wonder how that is going to begin to affect how people think about where they actually live. You know, are they going to look at a house and find that the, the, the traditional rooms are too rigid, that maybe kind of loft space living is more, I, I'm, I'm kind of going on a limb here, but I wonder if, if the way people live their professional lives and move around or even call a taxi is going to affect the way they, the things they consider home is the house going to become more fluid and open or because everything in the world is so fluid and you can dial up anything or you can work here, work there. You sort of, you are, your office is where your computer is. Are people going to suddenly want to have a more traditional space? So they go home and they actually are in cozy rooms and it's, you know, has a more traditional sort of home like feeling. I, I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's the latter, but, I think people's ideas about all this are going to change about functionality. I you kind of you kind of have everything at your fingertips wherever you are. That's that's one of the big lessons of this crisis. You know, I I I am getting just as much work done, or maybe more work done, being at home where I, I have fewer distractions in a way than I was getting done in the office. I miss seeing everybody and I miss the hands-on. But, you know, from 8.15 this morning until I called you, I was on one call or another or, or emailing or doing something uninterrupted. Um, so I think it, it, this whole thing is affecting how we're thinking. Yeah, I think it is, too. And I think it's also putting productivity into perspective um, just by the mere fact that, you know, I'm not driving an hour in traffic each way in the morning, that I'm actually working instead of sitting in traffic. The fact that I'm getting more enjoyment out of the home life because I'm not sitting in traffic, so I'm able to cook dinner every night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I just think, I, I agree with you. And I think that in this conversation, I think we've definitely recognized that things are going to be changing dramatically. And, you know, through this, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, one of the things we were talking about in the office, and I've been talking to a lot of my friends and colleagues about, you know, the sort of silver linings of all, of all this. And, you know, some things we're talking about are kind of the obvious ones, you know, yeah, I can work from home and, you know, but I'm kind of curious, what are the other things? This is a little bit like 9-11. I mean, the world did change after 9-11. Things are really going to change now, and it's still hard to see how. But clearly, the working from home thing is, is sort of a, is much more acceptable to me now as a notion than it was before. You know, one of the things we've been worried about at our office and talking about from, from the moment we started working from home is what's going to happen to, to productivity. And we were sort of guessing we would be 75% productive, but I actually think that, the, that it, much, it might be much higher. And I don't know if it's going to be more productive, but it's certainly more productive than I would have thought. It's hard to tell, though, because, you know, when you're at work, you can walk by someone's desk and you can see what progress is, made, is, is being made, or you can sit down and talk to somebody very quickly. Here you have to kind of call, you have to get a hold of somebody, you have to have them show you. And unlike being in work where you can lay out a bunch of drawings and see everything at once, you're only kind of getting one sheet, one page at a time on a computer screen. So it's hard to tell. But I think, I think there's a lot of productivity going on. And there's certainly not a lot of time spent on the things you mentioned. You know, commuting. You know, I, I don't walk out and have lunch, take an hour. I kind of go over to the kitchen and make myself a sandwich and I'm done in <laughs> right. 20 minutes. So 
um, we will see. We will. And on that, Tom, thank you so much for the for the time here. I definitely would love to have you back on the show uh, for a longer interview because I, I think this was fascinating. And I absolutely, I love your work. I think it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tom, for your time and talent. For more information about uh, Thomas Kligerman, please go to IkeKligermanBarkley.com. Thank you, Walker Zanger, for your partnership and support of Convo by Design. And thank you for listening. Were it not for you, there would be no Convo by Design. We will get through this together, and until we do, I will keep bringing you the ideas from incredibly talented creatives to make this just a little bit easier for you. If you have questions, ideas for a segment, or you're a designer who wants to help, please email me at convobydesign at outlook.com. Take care of yourself and your loved ones.